0: I want to read tonight from the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 32, Exodus chapter 32, I'm going to break into the reading, Exodus chapter 32, and we're going to read from verse 15. It's not hard to find the second book of the Bible, book of Exodus, chapter 32, verse 15. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides. On the one side and the other were they written. And the tables were the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tablets. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hand and brake them beneath the mound. And he took the calf which they had made and burnt it in the fire and ground it to powder and strawed it upon the water and made the children of Israel drink it. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee? That thou hast brought so great a sin upon them And Aaron said not, not thine anger if my lord wax hot Thou knowest the people that they are set in mischief For they said unto me make us gods which shall go before us For as for this Moses the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt We wot not what has become of him And I said unto them whosoever hath any gold let them break it off So they gave it me Then I cast it into the fire And there come out this calf And when Moses saw that the people were naked For Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said "Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him And he said unto them Thus saith the Lord God of Israel Put every man his sword by his side And go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp And slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And there fell of the people that day about three thousand men. Now we know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own inerrant and infallible word. Now, Now my text tonight is found in Exodus chapter 32. Verse 26, it reads as follows, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. My theme tonight is heeding Moses' clarion call to be on the Lord's side. Who is on the Lord's side? You see, Exodus 32 records one of the most shameful episodes in the history of the children of Israel. God had called Moses up to Mount Sinai to give him the Ten Commandments, the pattern for the tabernacle and other laws and instructions to govern the behavior and conduct of the children of Israel. And while up on the mountain, young people, you know, he was there for 40 days and 40 nights, quite a long time. Well, what happened was that there was rebellion broke out in the camp of the children of Israel. This, of course, was a reprehensible uprising among the people. First of all, Moses was discredited. He was then disowned. And then he was disregarded. He he was denounced as a traitor, as a deserter, as a dissenter. We don't know what has become of him, the people said. And almost the entire camp were involved in this outbreak of disturbing rebellion. Listen to what we read in chapter 32, verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron, and said unto him up Make us gods which shall go before us For as for this Moses The man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt We wot not what is become of him Sadly Aaron was persuaded by the multitude And the strength of public opinion To manufacture for them an idol Based on the gods of Egypt. Think of Aaron the high priest building an altar. He's celebrating a feast. It's supposedly unto the Lord. They're offering a sacrifice. And the message was if you look at verse 4. And he re- received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And that declaration, These be thy gods, O Israel, was linked up then with a declaration that tomorrow there was going to be a feast unto the Lord. Now, it's my opinion that in this compromise, Aaron may not have wanted to do this. He may have had little desire for this. We could ask the question, well, where was her? Some of the commentators suggest that her was murdered by the crowd, even though the Bible doesn't tell us that. And if that was the case, then there may have been a threat on Aaron's life when they said to him, up, make us gods. I'm convinced he may not have yielded easily, He may have talked to them about the cost involved. Remember the mention of the the gold and the earrings. So he may not have liked to be involved in this compromise. But he did fashion them a golden calf. Listen to what he told Moses. Look at verse 24. And I said unto them, whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it me. Then I cast it into the fire. And there came out this calf. This calf. But that was really an ecumenical truth. That, that was really a lie. You see, he asked for the gold, verses 2 and 3. He received it from their hand. He put it into the furnace. He, he, he fashioned this uh, golden calf using his skill and his fashioning tools. And then it was declared unto the people, These be thy gods, O Israel. And when he saw the calf, he then built an altar and proclaimed in verse 5, A feast unto the Lord. And what followed was a sad, despicable, deplorable departure and defiance of God and his word. I want to tell you, in Exodus 32, that day was a day of dark apostasy from the Lord. It was a forsaking of the old paths. It was a turning away from heeding the word of God. It was really a return to sinful practices and sinful procedures. And instead of loving God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And heeding and abstaining from sin. There was a spiritual turning away from God. We're told the people after the feast sat down to eat and drink. They rose up to play. What followed, of course, was dreadful wickedness. Remember, Moses is up on the mount. And he's told by God to go down to the camp. Listen to what God says. Verse 7: And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people which thou brought us out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They've made them a, a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Moses returned, he walked into the camp. He was full of righteous indignation. Remember, he's the meekest man that ever lived. But that day, he was filled with anger. His heart was breaking. He smashed the, the two tables of stone in his hand that contained the law of God. He took the idol and he destroyed it totally. Absolutely. Completely. He, he ground it to powder. He, he sprinkled the contents in the water. And he made the children of Israel to drink it. He questioned Aaron. He then took his place at the gate of the camp. And he issued this clarion call to the people. Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. This is a serious searching question. A question that demands a response. Now when I read Exodus 32, when I was thinking about this message, I see a parallel With what happened here in the history of the children of Israel, I see a parallel taking place in the professing church of Jesus Christ in our day. At the Free Presbyterian Congress in 2006, Dr. S.B. Cook preached in this text of scripture. And he said, and I quote, This is a powerful, exact picture of the whole of Christendom as it is today. You think tonight of denominations, churches, institutions, colleges, church boards and councils who purport to be Christian. I'm not talking about the world. I'm not talking about the heathen, pagan world. I'm talking about the professing church of Christ. A place where the Lord's name is supposed to be loved, honored, revered, obeyed. You see, we live in a day when the professing church's little understanding of the true gospel is there not an attempt in our day to reverse the great protestant reformation is this not a day when the great fundamentals of the faith are denied the, the deity of jesus christ the the all-sufficiency of his blood atonement the the, the the doctrine of his bodily resurrection, his coming return, scheme is, is this not a day when the word of God is denied? Young Andrew Simpson was telling us last night in his testimony that when he went into college four years ago, that two other young men that he knew of who were his friends also went into a college college. Not the Free Presbyterian College, a different college. And those young men today, coming out, supposedly coming into the Christian ministry, deny the infallibility and the inerrancy of the Bible. You see, this is a day of spiritual departure from the Lord in the professing church. A A day really of spiritual darkness, gross darkness. And you know, the Lord Jesus, I believe, stands at the gate. Outside the camp of the professing church. Outside the door in a sense. Remember he says. Behold I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice. I will open the door and come into him. And sup with him. And at that door he would cry out. And what would he say. Who is on the Lord's side. Let him come unto me. So that's what we want to think about tonight. I want you to think of. Three things I want you to think first of all of the situation behind this call We read then Moses stood at the gate of the camp and said The word then is hotan which means at that time So we've got to think about the situation that lay behind the issuing of this call And there was many issues involved in the background that brought about this call We have here a departure and a rejection of the word of God. Doesn't the Bible say in Isaiah 8 and 20, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. What did the Lord tell Moses? Listen to verse 7 and 8. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. In other words, they have quickly departed from the Word of God. If you look across the denominations that make up the religious world in the United Kingdom, think about the individual churches, think about the colleges. You listen to church boards and councils, and you will discover a blatant departure from the great fundamentals of the faith. And one of those evident departures from the fundamentals of the faith, one that stands chief and head and shoulders above the rest, is a repudiation and a rejection, a departure from the word of God. you know what? I, I thank God for the free Presbyterian church. I thank God that we have ministers and elders tonight. Who believe the Bible to be the infallible and errant word of the living God. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. We believe tonight that this is a God-breathed book that we have. We believe tonight in plenary that that is full and complete, unverbal, word for word, inspiration. As the psalmist said, every word is pure, and we refuse to add to the scriptures, and we refuse to take away anything from the word of God. But we live in a day when men deny the inerrancy and infallibility of the scriptures, when they refuse to accept that it's plenary and verbally inspired. When they they quite openly say it's a book that contains errors, of course, they, they never show you any, because there is none in the book. That's one of the issues that lay behind this call. It was also a departure and rejection of the worship of God. How did they do that? Well, there was a mixing of true and false religion. Think of Aaron's golden calf. Now you think of Aaron, he says to all the people, break off the golden earrings which are in your ears, they bring them to him, he receives them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it, a molten calf. Now, now why did Aaron make a molten calf? Why a calf? Why not another image? Why not a cat? Why not a dog? Did you know that the calf is one of the gods of Egypt? The calf in Egypt is associated with false worship, it's viewed as sacred. It's to be revered, it's to be worshipped, it's to be prayed to uh, It's to be sacrificed unto Gifts are to be left at his feet Of course it violates the first commandment Thou shalt have no other gods before me It violates the second commandment Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image Of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth Think of this statement among the people These be thy gods, O Egypt O Israel, that, that led thee out of Egypt You see, this is an element For false worship And then look at verse 5 Look at this very carefully And when Aaron saw it He built an altar before it That's before the calf And notice And Aaron made proclamation And said tomorrow Is a feast to the Lord Do you see the connection that Aaron the high priest made This is a mixture of true and false religion He's adding the Lord's name here I believe this is a forerunner to early ecumenism. It's a mixture of the two. That's what ecumenism is all about. It's a mixture of false and true religion. Turn over there in your Bible to 2 Corinthians and look with me at chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. not going to preach on it. I'm only going to refer you to it. Listen to verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers... For what fellowship with righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion have light with darkness? And what concord of Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Listen to verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. What is the aim of the ecumenical movement? What is the ecumenical movement working towards today? I know that some of our leaders think that the battle with ecumenism is over. I, I, I disagree with them. The ecumenical movement is all about the union of Protestantism and Roman Catholicism. I, I think of a group that call themselves the New Evangelicals. You can look up their mission statements as to what they're about. You, you, you can think, of course, that the mission statement will say that... That there's a a difference between themselves and the Roman Catholic Church, but they don't highlight them, that there's more that unites them than divides them, and they're happy to work with them and cooperate in a fellowship and worship and pray together and forge closer links. I I think of a church in California, Uh, the Reverend Colin Mercer made reference to this, it's called Saddleback, it's Man called Rick Warren, who's the pastor. 10,000 people worship there, not, not, not 20 or 30, but 10,000. And, and it's on their website, they're asked the question what is the difference between our church and the Roman Catholic Church? And here's the response basically, they believe pretty much the same thing. Believe pretty much the same thing about the Bible. But, well, that's not true for a start believe pretty much the same thing, that Jesus Christ is the way of salvation? No, they don't. Because they they never mention the role of Mary as co-mediatrix or co-redemptrix. They they never mention the role of good works. They never mention the addition of church rites. They never mention the fact that Rome teaches that there's no salvation outside the church. You see, it's obvious that the likes of Pastor Warren doesn't read the scriptures, doesn't understand the gospel, and certainly doesn't know church history. Rick Warren has no problem mixing truth and error, light and darkness. Could I just mention tonight, there's churches here in Northern Ireland doing exactly the same thing, mixing light and darkness, those so-called Protestant churches who are inviting priests in to preach. I ask the question when the priest comes in. What's he preaching? Is it the gospel of free and sovereign grace? Is it neither is salvation in any other? For there's no other name under heaven given among men. Whereby we must be saved. Is it not a, a gospel of good works? Do the best you can. Be sincere and upright. Be, be neighborly. Is it not baptisms necessary for salvation? Have you been baptized as a child? And if you have, you're now an inheritor of the kingdom of God. And that's a lie. We don't believe in baptismal regeneration. What about the prayer meetings for Christian unity? On what basis do they pray? Who do they pray to? Is it prayer offered solely and exclusively in the name of Christ? Without the use of the rosary. You see, this is a form of religion worship. I have to tell you, you're going to say to me, but you're very excited tonight. I'm alarmed. Because it's been brought to my attention that at St. Anne's Cathedral recently, the Roman Catholic Archbishop, the primate of all Ireland, he was invited to preach at the Remembrance Day service. And there was leading Unionist politicians in attendance. Jeffrey Donaldson shouldn't have been there. And neither should Ian Paisley Jr. And I'll tell you why in a minute. I'm also told that the leader of the Democratic Unionist Party was in Enniskillen at the chapel listening to the priest on Remembrance Sunday evening. And I want to tell you tonight that, that in itself is a sin in the eyes of God that needs to be repented of. Because it's a form of worship that's mixing truth and error. I'll tell you something else. This was a form of worship that appealed to the flesh. These people at the feast rose up to play. There was dancing. There, there was nakedness. There was sensual movement. There, there was carnality. There, there was loose living and display. You see I'm told today by many And you think of our empty seats here I'm conscious of that And the need for souls to be saved the new families to be brought in And the church to be strengthened in a numerical sense I'm well aware of that But you see I also hear this into my ear The church needs to liven up a bit We're too stuffy We're too dreary All we do is sing Read the Bible You preach We have to listen we have to give our money. We need to move with the times. We need something that's going to attract young people in. We need to cater for a new generation that's not interested in God. So let's have a bit of rock and roll. Let's have a drum kit. Let's have a drama group, a praise band. Let's have some fancy, colourful lights. Let's do away with the pulpit. Let's just have a stage. In fact, don't preach at all. Just have a little time for reflection. Just have a few wee thoughts. Create an atmosphere and the people will come. I want to tell you tonight, there's churches in Northern Ireland during the time of the Toronto blessing when it was on the go, that there was men crawling about on all fours, barking in those churches like dogs. There was others laughing, Hysterically like hyenas There was men came into the church dressed as clouds I I I know at least of one minister who used his church aisle As a skating board ring I know of another who used the church as a treasure hunt on Easter Sunday For hunting for Easter eggs And there was no preaching of the word of God You see it's happening in Northern Ireland and what is the result the gospel is not being preached and therefore God's offended and God is departing. You see what is the gospel tonight I want to tell you it's a message from God and it's a message from God about his remedy for human sinfulness And it's a message that centers in the person and work of Christ. And it's a message of repentance from sin. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And it's a message about a call to faith in Christ, for seeking all, I take him. And it's a call to a life of holiness unto the Lord, where we love him with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And it's a message that deals with deliverance from hell and wrath to come. It's a message about heaven and home. And this land has been so privileged and so blessed. God has visited us three times with revival. 1620 1859 the 1920s think about the revival under dr paisley in her own church with 60 congregations and more raised up we don't want a form of worship that appeals to the flesh we want a a worship service that brings glory and honor to god and did you know that in this episode there was another altar formed another sacrifice offered In this feast to the Lord, and Aaron had the audacity to attach the name of the Lord to it. It was not of God. This was a day of idolatry. The the calf was an idol. And this was a day of immorality. There was nakedness and dancing at this feast. And of course, what follows on from idolatry, once you depart from the word of God, is immorality and iniquity. Do you know apostasy? presents another Christ, not the Christ of the Bible. And it proclaims another sacrifice, not the sacrifice of the shed blood. In fact, many within Protestantism today have no time for the doctrine of the blood atonement. And they don't want the cross, and they don't want the crown, and they don't want repentance and regeneration, and they don't want faith and focus in Christ. Because it's another altar based on another sacrifice. That's the situation behind this call. I want you to think, I'll just be a few minutes, I want you to think of the seriousness of this call. Think of Moses' observation. How did Moses identify this to Aaron? Look at verse 21. You see, this is what has got me worked up. And Moses said unto Aaron, Aaron, What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? See, Moses correctly identified it. That what had taken place is sin. It's idolatry. It's immorality. Therefore it's sinful in the sight of God. He didn't say it was a mistake. He didn't say it was a good idea. He didn't say it was a bad call of judgment. Here's how he described it. A sin against God. A great sin. A great and terrible sin. He understood the word of God. See, God had told Moses what was happening. It was revealed to him by the word of the Lord. He identified what was taking place. I want to say tonight, apostasy is sin. Departure from God is sin. Not loving God with all your heart and soul and mind is strength is sin. Unbelief is sin. What is sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. Sin is a transgression of the law. All unrighteousness is a sin. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And what's the result of sin? The wages of sin is death. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. In other words, the judgment of God is upon it. And you see, our problem today... In Northern Ireland, is that church leaders within Christendom don't see their actions as being sinful? They don't see it as bringing dishonor to the Lord. They don't see that they're doing anything wrong. An ecumenism is leading to what we call synergism, which is a call for all religions to come together: the Christian, the Islam, Hindus, the Jews. Let's, let's get together and what have we got in common? Well, I want to remind you tonight that the Apostle Paul dealt with this very problem in the church at Galata and this is what he said in Galatians chapter 1 Listen to the word of God But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you let him be accursed and That word means let him go to The lowest hell if you understand the gospel centers in the personal work of Christ it's a message from God God's remedy for human sinfulness is in Christ Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures and and, and the message of the gospel is that Christ is the answer not only was Moses observation correct here but Moses opposition was correct Moses was so incensed against it. He didn't ignore it. He, he uh, didn't pretend it wasn't happening. He, he didn't stand by. No, he stood against it. He, he took action. And we need leaders that will take Action. We have churches today that are closing their eyes to what is happening, but not Moses. He would not lend a support. He would not say, well done. In this camp, he identified idolatry. He destroyed the idol. He ground it down. He made the children of Israel drink it. And he stood at the gate and he cried out and faced the crowd who was on the Lord's side. Not my side. Who is on the Lord's side? You see, this action was visible; it was seen. This action was vocal. He raised his voice. This action was vig- vigorous. He 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 threw down the two tables of law. He broke the idol. He grounded the powder. He made them drink it. He called at the gate. This action was valiant. It was to the Lord's side. This was for the honor and glory of the Lord. Two sides. Who is on the Lord's side? And of course, the Lord Jesus tonight. Remember, is outside the camp. Listen to what we read of Christ. Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. Suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp. Bearing his reproach. Where is Christ? He's outside the gate of Jerusalem. Think of Christ the head of the church issuing the call. Who's on the Lord's side? Let him come to me. You see there's a seriousness here. And one final thing. I want you to think of the substance of this call. This is a call to salvation, who is on the Lord's side. Do you hear Christ calling you from outside the camp? Will you identify with the Lord tonight? Will you go to his bleeding wounded side and bow the knee and say, my Lord and and my God? We have many problems in the world, political, economic, moral, and so on and so forth. But you know the greatest problem is human sinfulness. The greatest problem that you have your sin. You mightn't see that, you mightn't understand that. But that's your greatest problem. Your sin. And who can help you? Think of the words of the psalmist, help thy me. Well, the Lord wants to help you. He says, Your sins and iniquities, I'll remember no more. There's forgiveness with him that, that, that he may be feared. And you go to the Lord's side and you say, Lord, Forgive me, Lord, save me, I perish. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Have you done that tonight? Are you in Christ? This is a call also to separation. Moses was making a stand, I believe, for truth and righteousness. Remember the Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And Moses was prepared for the cost of this separation. I want to tell you something else. This, I believe, was a call to service. Notice what we read in the text there, if you look at it, it mentions there the sons of Levi. They're the ones that responded to this call, and all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. The Levites were those that were involved in the service of the Lord. And you see, we're not only called to salvation tonight, we're not only called to separate unto the Lord in a positive way by, by turning from sin unto the Lord himself and having the motto, holiness unto the Lord, but we're called to serve What are we called to do? Well, I'm called to preach the word. And that's all we have is the word. And I'm also called to protest And that's what I'm doing tonight in the preaching. I'm raising a voice of protest about sin. And we're also called to pray. Because the only one that can help us, and we remember with Daniel, but there's a God in heaven. You see, the service that we're involved in involves a cost. Involved a cost for these Levites. Because there was a mighty slaughter. 3,000 men in that camp that day because of sin. And we need to see a bringing down of the enemies of God in our Could I finish with this? There's a man called C.T. Studd. He was a great cricketer, young people. And he was, a, he was very good at playing cricket. I, I would know nothing about cricket. I wouldn't know the bat from the ball or anything like that. But he, but he played cricket. And he was also a millionaire. And then he got converted, and he gave away all his money. And I believe he went to China. He also went to India. He might have went to Africa. I think maybe he died in Africa. But during his lifetime, and he had many little fancy sayings. He wrote a little book called The Chocolate Soldier. And you think of how good a chocolate soldier would be. A wee fella says to his dad one time, Daddy, when I grew up, I want to be a soldier, but I don't want to be hurt. And of course... Well, if you're a soldier, you have to be hurt. You have to take the rough and tumble. You have to be prepared for hardship and difficulty. Endure hardness like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. But C.T. Studd said, if Jesus Christ be God, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God tonight? God manifest in the flesh? That that, that he's manifest in the flesh to be the saviour of sinners, to be your saviour tonight? If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, and he did die, and I could take you to outside Jerusalem, And show you where I believe he died The place of the skull Because it's still there If Jesus Christ be God and died for me Then listen to what he said And no sacrifice can be too great For me to make for him What sacrifices are you prepared To make for Jesus Christ Young people And we need you to make a decision We need you to ponder this Will you go to the Lord's side Will you bow the knee and say all to Jesus I surrender, Lord, from the top of my head to the sole of my feet, I'm giving myself to you, lock, stock, and barrel. I'm yours, Lord, take me in Jesus' name. Will you do that today? Because that's what we need. That's what the Lord requires. Oh, I don't want you to be half-hearted. I don't want you to say, I've become a Christian, and you're down on a Friday night in some pub, drinking alcohol I don't want you to be on some dance floor on a Saturday night and, and I don't want you lying in bed on a Sunday I want you 100% for Christ but you have to make the decision he stands at the gate who is on the Lord's side let him come to me it's a call to salvation are you saved are you in Christ it's a call to separation And I want to tell you tonight, and I'm conscious of this time, we need again the call to separation in the free church. There has to be a separation from sin, worldliness, and apostasy once again. And we need the call to service. Remember the times in the martyrs, you people that were there, Dr. Paisley, and when the call was given, there was young people coming up those aisles and the martyrs bowing the knee, tears tripping them, giving their life to Christ, missionaries, ministers of the gospel. Why are we not seeing that today? Has God changed? Has the call changed? No. There's something wrong with our hearts. My son, he says, give me thine heart. Will you give him your heart and life tonight? Will you come and say, Lord, I'm coming to your side. Thank you for loving me, coming to die for me. Lord, if you're God and you died for me, then i, I give me all to you. Here's me and my money and everything else. Will you do that tonight? May the Lord give you grace and enablement. The Lord bless you. Look, we're just going to have a wee word of prayer. I was going to sing a hymn, There's a Saviour from All Sin, but our time is gone. Let's just have a wee word of prayer. Lord, tonight take these few stumbling, stammering words that you've given me. You know the heaviness of my heart, Lord. You know the need for souls. This very house. You know the need, Lord, in this very building tonight and wider afield and we cry unto thee have mercy lord don't turn away from us come come again in power and blessing and help young people in particular those out of christ to make that decision tonight to come to the place where they say all to jesus i surrender i surrender all lord take these few stumbling words to this end May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of thyself, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be upon us, both now and evermore. Amen. Amen. Amen.